Okay, so tonight in class, we're going to expound on what we talked about last week. And I told you to open up your catechisms to page 207. That's if you have the maroon catechism. If you have the older blue catechism, it's page 202. We're looking at question number 246. That says, why are babies to be baptized? Why are babies to be baptized? As I mentioned, this is a big question in the Christian church. It is a really, really, really big question in the United States, in the Christian church in America. Because there are a lot of churches that teach that you shouldn't baptize babies, that it's wrong to baptize babies, some churches even teach that it is a sin to baptize babies. And so we need to be very, very clear on this topic. And I want you to believe it, not just because the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Catechism says we should baptize babies, but because this is clearly taught in God's Word. Now, last week, we ended class, and I asked the question, why do we baptize babies? And I gave you four answers to write down on your sheets, and it's these four answers that we want to talk about tonight. Babies are sinners. Babies can believe. Babies are a part of all nations. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me. All right. So... Uh, question 246, why are babies to be baptized? Part 1 of the answer, uh, letter A, they are included in the words, all nations. All nations. Now remember, when we talked about what makes a sacrament, we said that a sacrament had to be instituted by God, that it had to have visible means connected to the Word of God, the invisible part, and it has to also give, seal, or convey the forgiveness of sins. The Word of God, where God institutes holy baptism, are from Matthew 28, the words that we commonly call the Great Commission. Matthew 28, we've all memorized that. You've recited it several times. Let's Start at the beginning. Let's say it together, shall we? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All right, that's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Then he tells us how to do it. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching everything that I have commanded. We talked about how we make a distinction when we carry out the words of the Great Commission with regard to infants and small children and adults. With infants and small children, we baptize first, and then we teach. With adults, we teach first, and then we baptize. 
We're carrying out the words of the Great Commission either way. It doesn't matter, according to the Word of God, which part of that you do first. But we do it with infants and small children. We baptize first. And one of the reasons is because when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations certainly includes babies, infants, small children. There's another Bible passage that's listed in your catechism. It's Bible passage number 839. Acts 2, 38 to 39. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for, what are those last two words? Your children. This promise is for you and your children. The gospel is not just for big people. The gospel is not just for adults. The, the promise is for all nations, and that certainly includes babies and infants. So that's one reason. That's not the only reason, but that's one reason why we baptize babies. Look at number two. Jesus especially invites little children to come to him. This Bible passage is quoted in our hymnal when we do the baptism liturgy. If I remember right, I believe it's quoted from Mark chapter 10. What The Bible verse we have is a parallel verse to that. The one listed in our catechism is Luke 18, 15 to 17. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to him saying, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child shall not enter it. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Now get the picture here. People are coming to Jesus for a blessing. The disciples, and this is especially brought out in the Mark 10 passage, the disciples don't like it. They don't want the kids to be involved. Almost as if the disciples are saying, don't bother Jesus with these little kids. Jesus got mad. Indignant is the word that is used. Jesus doesn't sin. He's not sinfully mad, but he's mad because the disciples are trying to keep the children away from Jesus. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. Don't put up a roadblock for the kids to come to me. Let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of God is for people just like this. And then he took the little children up in his arms and he blessed them. Sometimes people get the impression that church 
is only for adults. That church is only for big people. That the Word of God is only for adults. That worship is only for adults. Some churches have like children's church. So when it's time for the sermon, the kids all go out and maybe they have like a little Sunday school lesson or maybe they go and play and have playtime. We don't do that here. We want children, even little babies, to be in church. Why? Faith comes by hearing. And whether it's the word that is read, the word that is preached, the word that is sung in our hymns, faith comes by hearing. And when kids are in church, they learn how to act in church, how to be respectful in church, how to pay attention to what goes on in church, how to listen to the Word of God. And so, anybody that says the Word of God, the Gospel, the Bible, worship is only for big people, they're ignoring God's clear Word, where Jesus himself says, let the little children come to me. Now the last part of that text here from Luke chapter 18 says, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. When we have baptisms at Good Shepherd, many times I will talk about the little child in mom or dad's arms. And I will say something to the effect of, they're not going to be able to give a speech they're not going to be able to give an essay. They're not going to be able to tell you how much they love Jesus because they're a little baby. They can't walk. They can't talk. They can't feed themselves. They are completely dependent upon mom and dad for their care, feeding, clothing, shelter, diaper change, everything. They are completely dependent. And that is a great picture of us, sinners, lost in the trespasses of our sin, dead in our sin, Ephesians 2. We are completely helpless and dependent upon God. Remember when we studied the third article of the Apostles' Creed, one or two of you quoted that in your confirmation essays. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. Whether you're a baby or whether you're a middle-aged person or whether you're a grandma or grandpa adult, at no age can you, by your reason or strength, decide to believe in Jesus. Faith is a gift. Pure gift. And that gift is a gift, whether you're a child or whether you're an adult. So, we've got two reasons. First of all, babies are a part of all nations, Matthew 28. Jesus says, let the little children come to me, Luke 18, Mark 10. Now, I would submit that the last two reasons that are stated in the Catechism are the two most important reasons. 
the third reason for why we baptize babies, and again, in the Maroon Catechism, we're on the bottom of page 207. Why are we to baptize babies? Babies are to be baptized because as sinners, as sinners, babies need what baptism offers. Babies are sinners. You don't have to be around a little baby very long to realize that babies are the most selfish people in the history of mankind. When you are around a baby, like your little sister Eva, when you are around a little baby, when the baby is hungry, what does the baby do? We might get whiny and complain a little bit, but babies don't care what anybody else thinks. They fuss, they whine, they cry, they scream. When they get a little bigger, they throw a tantrum. Same thing when they get too tired. Same thing when their diaper is full. Same thing when they're too hot. Same thing when they're too cold. Now, that sweet, cuddly, tiny little baby. We don't like to think of babies as sinners. When those babies get a little bit bigger, what is almost always the first word that that little baby, now a little child, what is almost always the first word that a baby says? What do you think? It's not mommy or daddy. It's not mine, but that's close. What word do most little kids hear most often? No! No! When a little kid is going to reach for something, no! No! Almost always, the first word that a little kid learns is no. Because that's the word they've heard the most often. If babies are sinless and perfect, the first word that they would speak would be yes. Yes, because yes, they're hearing that always affirmed to them. Yeah, mommy and daddy, that's right. Eventually mine, when they get a little bit bigger, that's a, a very important word. But, and here again, this is something we don't like to think about. Romans 6.23 and I believe that was one of your Bible passages for those of you that did memory work tonight. <clears throat> for the wages of sin is death. Do, do babies do babies ever die? Yes. We don't like to think about this, but if babies were not sinners and the wages of sin is death, then babies would never die. There were, there were sadly, very sadly, there were uh, two infants that died last week from the flu in Omaha. It was in the paper. That's tragic. That's horrific. Babies, as, as sinners, need what baptism offers. Well, what does baptism offer? Baptism offers the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Baptism offers eternal life. 
Baptism offers faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus, Romans 6. If we have time, we might look at that passage uh, from Romans 6 in a little bit. So, babies are sinners. Now, we've got a Bible passage here listed, John 3, 5, and 6. John 3, 5, and 6. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Remember when we talked about how sin came into the world. Adam and Eve, our first parents, sinned. And they brought sin into the world. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. Remember what that is? The image of God? They're holy. They're perfect. They're sinless. After Adam and Eve sinned, their children, Cain and Abel, and later Seth, those are the ones that are named for us, they were born not in the image of God, but they were born in the image of Adam and Eve, meaning they were born sinful. We call this original sin, inherited sin, actual sin, the old Adam, or the flesh. The flesh. That which is, is born of flesh is flesh. Ephesians 2.3 is another Bible passage that's listed. Ephesians 2.3, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. When something is by nature, that means that it is natural. It is natural for all people born since Adam and Eve. It is natural for them to be sinners. And the wages of sin is death. There's one more Bible passage that I want you to look at. And this one isn't listed in our catechism. I wish it was. Uh, if you have your Bibles handy, and you might want to write this in the uh, uh, margin or column or wherever, but Psalm 51, verse 5. Psalm 51, verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 51.5. Very, very important passage that says not only are we sinful at birth, we were sinful before we were born. We were sinners from the moment, from the instant we were conceived. In sin did my mother conceive me. It's not talking about um, mom, create, uh, mom committed a sin when I was conceived. No, that's not what that's saying. That's saying I was sinful from the time I was born, even before, from the moment that I was conceived. So, 
Babies are sinners. God's word is clear. The wages of sin is death. Babies, along with everybody else, need a savior. They need what baptism brings or conveys. Now, the last one, this is probably the one that is the most, uh, I was going to say controversial, but that's really not the right word. Probably the one that is the most disputed. The most disputed. People will sometimes say, well, you can't baptize babies because babies can't believe. Now, babies don't have any way to publicly confess their faith. We have no way to measure whether they have faith or not. How do we know? Well, if you've been around a baby at all, and mom or dad is holding the baby, and they're very content, and then somebody comes up, maybe a stranger, maybe even somebody you know, Somebody comes up and says, oh, can I hold the baby? And as soon as that baby is in somebody else's arm, they cry, they scream, they kick, they stiffen up like a board. They know something's going on, and they don't like it. Babies know more than we realize or give them credit for. So, can babies believe? Well, let's see what God's Word has to say. The Bible passage we have listed there is Matthew 18, verse 6. Matthew 18, verse 6. And it says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned into the depth of the sea. That word there for little ones is a word that can and often means infant. Infant, small child. Jesus himself says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better if they had a big rock tied on their neck and they were thrown in the ocean. That's how bad it is. That's how bad it is to try to keep little children away from Jesus. Jesus himself says, little ones who believe in me. So out of Jesus' own mouth, Jesus says, little ones, infants, babies, can have faith. We just can't measure it. We can't ask them and have them tell us. All right, so we trust the Word of God. Now, I want you to uh, take your Bibles and uh, go to Romans chapter 6. Now, before we were talking about, before we were talking about how God brings the gospel, how God brings Jesus, how God brings the forgiveness of sins to people. 
And uh, Blake, I think it was you that just kind of spouted off, word and sacrament, word and sacrament, word and sacrament. That can become kind of a cliche for Lutherans, but it is very true. God delivers the goods through word and sacrament. God delivers the deliverance through word and sacrament. Faith comes by hearing. We know that baptism is more than simple water only, right? It is water connected to the Word, the Word, the Word. Water connected to the Word of God. Water in the Word is a baptism. What happens at a baptism is water and the Word following God's command is put upon the person, the small child, the infant, the adult, doesn't matter. And God delivers forgiveness, life, and salvation. We read earlier uh, in Acts chapter 2, uh, Acts, whatever the Acts passage was we read just a little bit ago, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Blake, question. Um, no, so I was talking to my, some of my friends at school today, and uh, we were talking about baptism, and they're Catholic. Yes, yes. And they were talking, and they were like, well, I asked them what water they use for baptism, and they said holy water. Okay. Yeah, and, and again, there's there, uh, when you go to a Roman Catholic church, Roman Catholics baptize babies. That's good. They have a little bit of a different teaching than we do. And we're going to get into this more when we get into uh, the fifth chief part of the catechism. And we talk about the office of the keys. The office of the keys. In the Roman Catholic Church, they teach that a priest, by virtue of his ordination, has been given special power. And when the priest blesses something, it's like really blessed. So the priest blesses the water. The water becomes holy. And when the holy water is put upon the person, that's what makes a baptism. Now, for Lutherans, for Lutherans, if you want to, um, if you want to talk about holy water, if you want to talk about holy water, uh, I have no objections to that. I have no objections to that. I have no objections to that. But what is it that makes water holy? The Word. The Word. The Word. It's not the pastor. It's not the priest. It's not the ceremony. It is the power of the Word that makes the water holy. Yes, that's, and that's, that's exactly what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. We'll get into more of that, too, also when we get to the Lord's Supper. Because um, it's very similar uh, with their teaching with regard to how the bread and the wine become the body and blood of Jesus. Okay, so we have the power of the Word that is connected to water. Without the Word, water is just plain water. But with the Word, the water becomes a baptism. A life-giving water. Now, Romans 6, beginning at verse 1. 
want you to want you to follow along here in Romans 4 and 5 really it's the end of chapter 3 4 and 5 God talks about justification through faith in Jesus Christ we are declared righteous we are justified by Jesus and Jesus alone so how do I get it how do I get what Jesus has done for me well by faith but if I can't believe by my own reason or strength how do I get this faith Romans 6 connects the dots for us. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How, when did we die to sin? Just keep following along. Verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And then it goes on for the next eight or nine verses to just expound on that beautiful gift. God delivers Good Friday and Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus at the baptismal font. When you were baptized, and I baptized several of you in this room, when you were baptized, you died to sin and rose to new life with Jesus. When you were baptized, the death of Jesus on cross on Good Friday became yours. When you were baptized, the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday became yours. God delivered it to you there. You didn't go back in time God came through time and delivered what happened 2,000 years ago to you, right there, right then. God created faith in your heart. God gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now, in catechism confirmation class, remember Matthew 28? You've already been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now... You are being taught everything that Jesus has commanded. Baptized first, taught later. At your confirmation, you will stand up before God and everybody and say what you couldn't say when you were a little baby. I really believe this stuff. I really do. You see how all this fits together? Pretty cool, isn't it? All right, so just quick review. Baptizing babies. Why do we do it? Babies are sinners. Babies can't believe. They stand condemned already. Babies need salvation. They need what baptism delivers. Babies can believe. Jesus himself says, 
these little ones, these infants who have faith. Babies can believe. Babies are a part of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of everybody 15 and above. No! Go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. All nations. And finally, Jesus says, if you get the notion that church, salvation, the word of God is only for big people, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. All right. So, these four reasons why we baptize babies. Anybody have any questions? 